great to talk. I know many of us are seeing dear friends from many other cities and whatnot. It's great to talk, but uh, we are going to get into the scriptures right now and listen to the word of God. So if we could be making our way back to our seats and opening up our Bibles to the book of Romans. Well, uh, what a great time to, uh, to honor Kelly, a uh, hard worker amongst us, and uh, we're all encouraged that she's, and this is what she said to me last night, she's like, you know, I'm really not retiring because I do what I do from my heart, and I said, we know Kelly, matter of fact, since she's moved here, she's impacted so many so quickly because of her tireless service, so uh, uh, we're so excited for you, Kelly, and we honor you. Okay, now Kelly at this point is so uncomfortable with all this attention, so I'm going to do her a favor and say we're going to stop talking about Kelly and we're going to start talking about Jesus, amen? amen? So let's get into our message from the book of Romans. We kicked off our Romans series last week. We're going to spend the rest of the year uh, diving into this incredible book and today we're going to be preaching from Romans chapter 1, verses 1 through 17. You know, Romans has been called the Mount Everest of Scripture. It's been called the peak of all of the Word of God that we have with us today uh, in the New Testament, in the Scriptures, okay? So uh, I'm going to kind of work off that theme and talk about, I have a question for us as we dive into the book of Romans. Has anyone here actually climbed Mount Everest? Okay, probably not. I didn't think any of us would. But who has seen Mount Everest in a picture? Looked at it from afar, right? We, we love that. First, I love Mount Everest. I love watching movies of Mount Everest and, and looking at it and admiring and just thinking about what would it be really like to, to stand on top of the world, uh, so to speak. And if Romans is like the Mount Everest of Scripture, we've got to ask ourselves, are we just going to look at the message of Romans from afar, or are we going to get into that base camp and start climbing up the mountain? Let's climb up the mountain, amen? Let's experience the book of Romans as we study it through the next four months. Why Romans again? If, you, if you've been in our church for very long, you know that we, we teach the book of Romans about every three years or so, two or three years. So it's like, Joel, why are we doing this again? Didn't we teach the book of Romans a few years ago? And it says, yes, we are teaching the book of Romans again, and we will teach the book of Romans again and again and again. And here's why. Because the book of Romans communicates us to us the power of the gospel. The power of the gospel. And the power of the gospel is not needed just one time in our lives. The power of the gospel is needed if we are a baby Christian or a middle-aged Christian or the oldest Christian amongst us. We need, at a deeper level into our souls, the message and the power of the gospel communicated through the book of Romans. Amen? Our soul, our church's soul, the world is in ongoing desperate need for this message not to be emptied of its power. We know that Satan is trying to empty the cross of its power, and the book of Romans counteracts that, amen? The book of Romans says, no, it's powerful, it's powerful yesterday, it's powerful today, and it will be powerful tomorrow. 
the power of the gospel, Jesus and the Spirit, saves us continually from the forces of evil, from the darkness, one time, every time, again and again, for all time. So the title of our message today is A Personally Powerful Gospel. We're going to talk about how the gospel was personally powerful to the Apostle Paul and how it can become powerfully personal to us as we study the book of Romans. Amen? Amen. Personally powerful to Paul, powerfully personal to us. Let's read here. We've, we've talked about the book of Romans for uh, a sermon and a half now. Let's start reading the gospel of Romans itself, okay, or the letter of Romans itself. Okay, chapter 1, verse 1. Paul, a bondservant of Christ Jesus, called as an apostle, set apart for the gospel of God, which he promised beforehand through his prophets in the Holy Scriptures concerning his son, who was born of a descendant of David according to the flesh, who was declared the Son of God with power by the resurrection from the dead, according to the Spirit of holiness, Jesus Christ our Lord, through whom we have received grace and apostleship to bring about the obedience of faith among all the Gentiles for his name's sake, among whom you also are the called of Jesus Christ. To all who are beloved of God in Rome, call the saints, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. First, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for you all, because your faith is being proclaimed throughout the whole world. For God, whom I serve in my spirit in the preaching of the gospel of his Son, is my witness as to how unceasingly I make mention of you always in my prayers, making request, if perhaps now at last by the will of God I may succeed in coming to you. For I long to see you, so that I may impart some spiritual gift to you, that you may be established, and that, it, that I may be encouraged together with you while among you, each of us by each other's faith, both yours and mine. I do not want you to be unaware, brethren, that I have often planned to come to you and have been prevented so far, so that I may obtain some fruit among you, even as among the rest of the Gentiles. I am under obligation both to Greeks and to barbarians, both to the wise and to the foolish. So for my part, I am eager to preach the gospel to you also who are in Rome. For I am not ashamed of the gospel. For it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith. As it is written, the righteous man shall live by faith. Wow, what a powerful introduction to starting to climb up the Mount Everest of Romans. Point number one is the gospel was personally powerful to Paul. He starts this letter with Paul. Now, you got to understand, we got we to know who Paul was before he met Jesus, okay? Who was Paul? He was Saul before he met Jesus. And before he met Jesus, was Paul this friendly, kind, uh, I hope you do well, 
good luck to, to God. I love God. No, he was full of powerless religion. And this power, powerless religion was making him do things that were completely outside of God, whom he claimed to worship and serve as a Jew. Okay, so he was full of hatred for Jesus. He was full of condemnation. He was full of shame. He was shaming others. He was trying to track down. We first are introduced to Saul in Acts chapter 7 at the stoning of Stephen. It says that he was giving full approval. And then to, to Stephen's death. Could you imagine for a second that Jake comes up here and we all start to stone Jake? Whoa, Jake, wow, what happened? And then Tim Bernicke is over there saying, yep, who's got another stone? Next, next, another stone. Like there's a darkness there, right? Just like there's a darkness in our own souls before we meet Jesus. Religion had lost its power for Paul. He was miserable. He hated Jesus. He hated the church. He hated the Gentiles. But then there was the road to Damascus. Amen? There was the road to Damascus where he, he met Jesus. Now, uh, oftentimes the, the Apostle Paul is used along with James as some of the greatest proof that Jesus actually existed, that he died, and that he rose in bodily form. Why? Because we, took, we had two extreme skeptics who did not believe in Jesus, and then after the resurrection saw Jesus and believed in Jesus. Amen? You don't go from, I'm going to kill the church, I want to kill people, to I want to help as many people become Christians as possible without seeing a real and living Jesus. That's not an idea. That's not a philosophy. That's not a religious change. That is someone who met Jesus face to face. The living, glorified Jesus, and he lives today. Amen. And he's working today. Amen? Yeah. We all need that kind of interaction with Jesus again and again. After Jesus, he was the most uh, unapologetic, unashamed promoter of Jesus, Jesus' gospel, and Jesus' church in the first century. Why? Why? It's the power of the gospel. It's the power of Jesus. What we have, guys, in the book of Romans is what changed in the Apostle Paul. We have why, what changed his mind? What changed his heart? What changed his philosophy? What changed his motives? What changed everything? What transformed him? This is what we have after, this was written in about 57 AD, so about 25 to 30 years or so, uh, after Paul met Jesus, he had time to process, to think, to take all his Old Testament training, all his pharisaical training, and figure out what is going on because Jesus is alive. I saw him. He spoke to me, and I'm not making this up. So what happened? Where is the Messiah in the Old Testament? In, in the book of Romans is the most thorough explanation of Christianity, of the gospel that we have today. So we go back over and over the book of Romans. Paul says, verse 1, so we're into one word so far of the book of Romans, okay? So here we go. Paul, a bondservant of Christ Jesus, called as an apostle, set apart for the gospel of God. I want to just talk about Paul's identity for a minute. He says, the NIV really doesn't do a good job. It says servant. 
The word servant is used because we're uncomfortable as Americans with the word slave. And given our history, as we should be. Amen? The horrible evils of racism and slavery in our past need to be continually denounced. Having said that, the word doesn't mean servant. The word means bond servant or bond slave or slave. And it doesn't just mean a few kind acts of goodness. It means Jesus has become my owner. He owns me. I am his. He is mine. There is a complete loss of self and a complete ownership of Christ in, over, through my life. Amen? He says, here's my identity. Before I'm an apostle, I am a slave. I am owned of Christ. You know, um, a lot of us, we don't like to think in our independence of being owned by anyone. Right? Nobody owns me. I'm the boss of myself. We have adopted a five-year-old little girl. And our primary battle right now is to help her understand that she doesn't actually get to do whatever she thinks and feels like she wants to do in the moment. And a lot of the communication comes out as like, yes, no, this is what I want. And it's like, you know what, actually, you're not going to do that. Why not? Because you're not the boss in this house, my friend. It's like, well, you ain't the boss of me. Yep, I am. And I'll tell you why I am the boss of you. Because I have given my life to you. I have given my time. I have given my family. I have given my money. And I have given my heart, my soul to you to bring you into my home. And you are giving yours to me. That's how it works. And guess what she started calling us? Mom and dad. She started calling us mom and dad. She writes mom and dad, and then she writes love. Good enough for me, right? Steve started this crying business. I'm not doing it anymore. Where's Steve? We are owned, not just because we are purchased by Jesus. We are actually doubly owned because we are created by Jesus to begin with. But then we've all gone our own way. But Jesus doesn't stop loving us. He calls us and he purchases us again. We are doubly owned. And he says, I'm called as an apostle. Called by, so he's owned by Jesus. He's called by Jesus. He's set apart by Jesus. I don't know if mine is, there we go. He's set apart by Jesus. Who is the active one here? Is it Paul? Is Paul trying to get the attention to himself? The first sentence is like, this is Jesus. I'm owned by Jesus, called by Jesus, set apart by Jesus. This is all about Jesus, guys. This isn't about me. The question in our lives is not who are we, but whose are we? Whose are we? Who owns you? It's like nothing owns me. No, no, no. We're all owned by someone or something. Billy Joel tried to say, no, this is my life, right? He tried to, he tried to say, 
uh, uh, I don't need you to worry for me because I'm all right. I don't want you to tell me it's time to come home. I don't care what you say anymore. This is my life. Go ahead with your own life. Leave me alone. Now, I like the song, right? It's, it's catchy. It's, you know, it's, but, uh, uh, but it's just not true. And there's a couple of things wrong with that. Number one is it doesn't work. And I don't, I don't say this in judgment or whatever, but great sadness, but Billy Joel's on his fourth marriage. Billy Joel was suicidal. Billy Joel start struggling deeply with, and again, not, 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 not self-righteous judging, right? But my life doesn't work, and it's not true. We as humans are worship, worshipful beings. Someone or something owns us. Let's let it be Jesus, amen? amen. Too often we say, Jesus, you leave me alone. This is my life. It's my time. It's my choice. I'm going to go my own way. You know, uh, um, Jesus says, I'm sorry. Come follow me. Come follow me. You know, Kelly is owned. She was called. She was set apart as a bondservant for Jesus. Amen? Uh, later on, Paul says to verse, in verse 6, he says, among whom you also are the called of Jesus Christ. So Paul's referring to his listener as you also are owned as Christians. You are called. You are set apart for the gospel. You know, I want to share a few times when Christy and I had to really wrestle when the, the book of Romans became powerful and real in our own lives at various stages. You know, when we became disciples, I remember so clearly thinking, I felt Jesus' call to follow him. And I was living in downtown Minneapolis. And I remember that I've been religious churchgoer all my life. My dad was a preacher the whole nine yards. Okay, you got to get it. I was a good kid. You know one of those, right? Good on the outside, but full of dead men's bones on the inside. But I was good. I remember Jesus saying, hey, it's time, Joel. You either got to decide this kind of half and half thing. This mixed drink of little Christianity, a little world, it ain't, it ain't happening no more. You're called to a decision. Either you just go to the world and go all the way, because you're not fooling me or anyone else, or you come follow me. And I remember exactly, Jesus, I'm following you. I'm all in, because the world is full of the world. <laughs> it doesn't work. It's not happening. Jesus is where it's at. Uh, I, was, I became owned. Jesus is Lord, baptized into Christ, called, set apart. And then came the time to decide if I wanted to give up an engineering career or go into the ministry. And I was saying, you know, I, I don't want to be, I, don't, I can't talk in front of people. I'm not a good leader. I can't do this. No, I don't. And they're like, well, you we need to pray about it. What? I'm sure God agrees with me. <laughs> so I went down and I prayed and it was overwhelming. No, give it up. I don't want to give it up. Give it up. I can't talk. We'll figure it out. I can't lead. Whatever. I'm leading. That's what he said. Okay? And we gave it up. It's because it's not my career. It's not my life. I'm not my own. And then we were asked to move to Omaha. Well, I got an eight-month-old. Jackson's eight months old. We're comfortable. We love the church in Minneapolis. We get along. They love me. I love them. Nope. It's time to go. Okay? And then it was time, four years later, time to plant the church in Eau Claire. No, no. 
Steve and Lisa just moved to Omaha. What am I going to say to them? Uh, <laughs> they're still struggling. Okay? They're, Steve and Lisa are moving to Eau Claire at the end of this month. Amen? But it was so funny. The last time we talked, it's like, now we just want to make sure. You're not planning on moving anywhere, are you? <laughs> uh, we're not. Okay. But no, I got a four-year-old, four an eight, a two-year-old, an eight-month-old. Jordan was eight months old. I don't know what the eight-month-old thing, but it was, the time was right. And we love the church. They love us. We're happy. We're secure. We're stable. It's time to go. Um, I remember in the decision most recently with Jayana. I, I, I'm old. Jordan is going to be a sophomore. I'm, I'm a few years away from an empty nest. We're doing great. We, we, you know, I, I'm tired. I'm old. I got a hundred foster child. It's called the church. I love them. They're my family. Okay? I don't need another one. Okay? And God's like, no, it's time. You're not your own. I've called you. I've set you apart for a work as this. And we, I remember talking to Carter and Jordan, and it was very similar in Jackson. Like, guys, what do you think? I don't know. It's going to mess up our family times. We like those. I don't know. Jordan struggled, right? She's the princess, right? She's the youngest girl. We don't need no younger girl around here. But then Jackson said, wait a second, guys. Who are we really? What kind of family are we? What do we believe? We believe in God. He was like challenging all of us. He's like, we don't have a choice, guys. We don't have a choice. And I was like, mic drop right there. Amen? What is God calling you? What is he setting you apart for? What has he called you to? What's your life work? I'm not saying everyone needs to adopt a child. I'm not saying everyone needs to go plant a church. But I am saying everyone who's a disciple needs to do what they're called to do. By the power of the Spirit. It's what you're made for. It's what you're set apart for. You are the called of Jesus Christ. Okay, let's get on with this. All right. He gives, a, he gives them a greeting. I'm thankful for you. I'm prayerful for you. I long to see you. I want to strengthen you. I want to be strengthened by you. Uh, this is what we're doing in our midweeks all fall. We long to see each other. We need to get back to church, everyone. We're coming to the building. We're coming to the building. We're eating Ramon's ice cream. We're encouraging one another. We're praying for one another. We're discussing. We're going to get on this mountain together, and we're going to discuss it, and we're going to strengthen one another's faith. Amen? Yeah. Study the book of Romans. Come prepared. We get out questions for discussion. It's going to be awesome. But are you longing to see each other, or are you finding a convenient excuse? Let's be like Paul. Let's long to see one another. Now, let's wanna, I want to skip down to verse 16, the thesis here. This is... This is your memory scripture. If you want to memorize some scriptures, which I would highly recommend, verse 16 and 17 is what you want to do um, for this lesson, okay? Uh, let me read it again. It says, for I am not ashamed of the gospel, for because it is the power of God. What the power of God for? To make me happy? No, for salvation. Wait a second, I've already been saved. No, 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 that's not what salvation means, a one-time thing. Salvation is every day Jesus saves us from our flesh. Jesus saves us from the world. Jesus saves us from the powers of darkness. Every day I wake up, I need to be saved by Jesus. I can't save myself. Jesus, I need you. I rely on you. You're my only hope. Amen? 
for salvation to everyone. Universalist, everyone saved. Jesus, a lot of, a lot of preach, te- te- churches teach that just because Jesus died, everyone on the planet is saved. Or else you're diminishing the death and the power of the cross. I would say, wrong. Because it's for everyone who believes. Everyone who believes. You have a choice to either believe or reject Jesus. That is your choice. That is your free will. Amen? Now, God works in that choice. The Spirit is on you and working. The Word of God is working in you. God's all over it. But He will not take away your free will because He doesn't want a robot. He wants a child of intimacy. Amen? So everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. major problem in the book of Romans is we've got Jews and Gentiles having a hard time being one church. Having a hard time getting along. The Jews are saying, no, you got to become a Jew to become a real Christian. And Paul's saying, no, you don't need to become a Jew. You need to become a disciple. You need to become Jesus. Okay? The Jews need to become into Jesus, and the Gentiles need to come into Jesus. And Jesus is where we're one. Amen? Are you with me? Just the Jews were first, but not the favorite. I got four children. Jackson was the first. Is Jackson my favorite? He's my favorite oldest son. Carter's my favorite middle son. Jordan's my favorite daughter, older daughter. Gianna's my favorite youngest daughter. Amen? Just because someone's first doesn't mean they're favorite. All right? There's equality between the Jews and the Gentiles. Um, For in it, for in the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed. From faith to faith, and then the righteous shall live by faith. Okay. This is still point 1A. No, I'm just kidding. A little bit further. First of all, I want to talk about where he says, I'm not ashamed. I'm not ashamed of the gospel. Being ashamed or proud of something or someone is deeply personal. How many of us want our parents to be ashamed of us versus proud of us? If, If we feel that our parents are ashamed of us, deeply ashamed of us, That affects, I don't know if there's much deeper parts of our souls. That would it affect except thinking that God is ashamed of us. And that's something that I personally struggle with. I'll share that in a minute. But he says, I'm not ashamed. And the reason Paul says, this doesn't start with Paul. Jesus says in Hebrews 2, I'm not ashamed to call them brothers and sisters. Do you sit here today believing that Jesus is not ashamed to call you brother? Jeff Mesikowski, right there, that's my bro. That's my man. He's with me. Jennifer Holty, that's my sister. I'm so proud of them. I'm so proud of this church. I'm so proud of my kids, right? This is, Jesus is not ashamed of us. Well, yeah, but if he really knew what I did, he'd. Okay. Um, in Hebrews 11 it says, God is not ashamed to be called our God. When God looks at us, I'm so proud that they would worship me as their God. And I look at Jay, I look at Meg, I look at Brett Kruger, I look at Shelly Carlson, I'm so proud. Katie Rawl, Katie 
Matt Rawls anymore. She was tiny Katie Rawls when I knew her. Anyways, uh, I'm so proud. So Jesus is not ashamed to call us brothers and sisters. God is not ashamed to be called our God. We are called to not be ashamed, number one, of Jesus, Mark 8, 38, in his word, Mark 8, 38. It says, if we're ashamed of him, he'll be ashamed of us. That's hard. That's true. We're not ashamed of the gospel, Romans 1. We're not ashamed to testify, 2 Timothy chapter 1. We're not to be ashamed. Paul says, don't be ashamed of me. So we're not ashamed of our old leaders whose weaknesses are on display. We're not ashamed of the church. We're not ashamed of suffering, 2 Timothy 1. And we're not ashamed of Paul's chains. There's a lot of people from a lot of different parts of our fellowship here today. So I want to make a statement about our fellowship. I am not ashamed of our worldwide fellowship. Now, we got our issues. We got our weaknesses. But we got our strengths. Amen? And maybe it's time we start being proud of ourselves, not because of all we are, but all Jesus is. Amen? We are the call. We are his chosen, his called ones. If he's not ashamed of us, who are we to be ashamed of us? Amen? Now, we got a lot to work on. Amen? We got a lot to grow in. If you can't see that, you're just naive or new. Okay? But never let that let you lose your proud, I'm not ashamed of my church because it is bought by the blood of Jesus. Amen? Do I see weaknesses in my own kids? Does that ever make me lose how proud of them I am? No way. Some of their choices, eh, <laughs> who they are, amen, okay, not ashamed. Uh, why? Because of the gospel, because of the power of God, okay. Lastly, guys, the gospel has to become powerfully personal to us. If Mount Romans, if Mount Romans, Mount Everest Romans is going to be personally powerful, you can't just look at it, you got to climb it. We have to engage into it, we got to study we got to wrestle deeply to make it powerfully personal. Just a few examples, and we'll take communion. If you feel like you've got to earn God's approval or earning God's pride in you, working toward God's approval instead of from it, we need to wrestle with Romans 3, 20 through 25. You need to get it, the power of the gospel deep into your soul. If you struggle with shame for your ongoing struggle with the flesh, in feeling condemned, feeling ashamed. We need to wrestle with Romans 7 and 8, amen, where Paul says, everything I want to be, I'm not. The things I don't want to be, I am. I'm so, I'm too weak. I'm too struggling. I'm too impure. I'm, I'm not enough ever. I'm just so ashamed of myself. But that Bible doesn't end, that Romans doesn't end there. It says, but now who will rescue me from this body of flesh? Praise be to God. Thanks be to Jesus Christ our Lord. For there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Yeah. Guys, in, in some of my deepest moments of intimacy with God, I've felt like I, no matter what I do, I'm never enough. And there's a beating yourself up. There's a regret for my sins. There's a regret for everything of who I am. Do you guys get are you there sometimes? It's Romans 7 and 8. I was going to bring my own Bible, and I was going to show you Romans 7 and 8 in my Bible. Because it's like underlined, highlighted, over and over, like the page is barely hanging on. 
because I've had to get that, the Spirit has had to get that deeper and deeper and deeper. And I'm not there yet. I've got to go deeper and deeper. Are you with me? Romans 7, Romans 8. Um, deep, unanswerable questions. The surrender of Romans 11, 33 through 36. Half-hearted Christianity versus offering all of yourself on the altar, Romans 12.1. Feeling like I can't change, uh, Romans 12.2. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. My mental health is so bad. I'm so anxious. I'm so depressed. Romans 12, verse 2. You're transformed by your mind being renewed. It can be renewed by the Spirit, by the grace, by the Word of God. Come to church versus be the church, Romans 12. Issues with government. Romans 13, right? Uh, learning how to be united with heart, in heart, with people who are and think differently. Democrats, Republicans, conservatives, liberals, vaxxers, non-vaxxers, whatever menu of choice in our divided world you want to choose today, and it'll be another one next year, and it'll be another one the year after, we better as a church get Romans 14 and 15 deep into our souls. If we're going to be one, if we're going to be united, because we're not going to be one way or the other. We're going to be all together, both serving Jesus. Amen? That's going to take Romans 14 and 15, not being here, being here. Okay, we're done with those. Okay? Are you guys with me? Let's climb on. Let's get into the book of Romans. Let's study it. Let's, let's, let's absorb it. Let's pray. Let's think. Let's examine. Let's sharpen one another and encourage one another's faith. Let's go ahead and pray for communion. Father, thank you for this time. I just, it's just unbelievable, the good news. The message, thank you for Paul. Thank you for the Spirit. Thank you for preparing him long before you called him on the Damascus Road to give us a message like this. Father, I pray that during this time of communion, that we think, that we remember of Jesus, that we remember his life, his death, his blood that was shed, so things like Romans 3 could be written, things like Romans 7 and 8 could be written, his burial, so things like Romans 6 and his resurrection, that we in our baptism could be joined with the death and the burial and the resurrection of Christ, that we could be completely made new walk in the newness of life, that we can experience the peace and the grace of Romans chapter 5. Father, that we could have the love and the intimacy in our fellowship from Romans 16. Father, thank you for Jesus. And we celebrate, we remember, we give all of ourselves to what he did on Calvary and what you did in raising him from the dead and that he lives today. I pray that whether it's this moment or this week or during this study, that we can see, like Paul, that we can see the living Jesus and be transformed again. We love you and we pray in his name. Amen.